Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. If we haven't met, my name's Terry Smith. I am the lead pastor here at the Life Christian Church, and I'm so glad you're here on this Ash Wednesday. Really great to see you. I really can't see you because it's dark, but I hear you. I feel you. I know you're out there. So, as Lauren mentioned a few moments ago, Lent has been celebrated by Christians since apostolic times, or for nearly 2,000 years. And Lent is the 40 days before Easter. You don't count the Sundays in there, but uh, it's the 40 days before Easter, accepting Sundays. And it's a time when we focus on the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, and we prepare our hearts, we begin preparing our hearts now for the glory that is Good Friday and, and Easter. As with any Christian tradition, and this is true of all Christian traditions, the observance of Lent is only life-giving if it's done for the right reason, and the right reason is to focus on Jesus and to prepare our hearts to receive his life more and more. Many people think that Lent is about giving something up. That always appears to be the headline when people talk about Lent, which is not really the point of life of Lent. Unless giving something up helps you focus on Jesus. That being said, I typically give something up for Lent in the same spirit that I might practice on a more regular basis some other spiritual discipline like fasting. Because in giving something up, I hope to be reminded to focus my attention on Jesus. And I encourage you to do the same. I might say, though I'm not talking by any means exclusively about Lent this coming Sunday, I do know that I'm going to close the teaching just briefly uh, referencing spiritual habits. And I'm going to encourage folks to make the decision for Lent this year to either give something up or to begin something new. Whatever helps you best focus your attention on Jesus during the next 40 days. In other words, you might decide that you're going to fast um, caffeine or fast on Fridays or not eat fish. I think it's not you're supposed to not eat. I think anyway, it doesn't really matter. The point is that you're... you're giving something up in order to focus on Jesus. So perhaps you're not watching a favorite show of yours every night, and during that time instead you pray. But I would encourage you just as much to think about something that you might begin. You might begin, you say, during the next 40 days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carve out, I'm going to get up 20 minutes early and make sure that I spend 15, 15 minutes in devotional reading, or I'm going to, uh, for the first time, become a part of a, of a life group so I can be in community with other believers and discuss the weekend messages and grow in my life with God. So the point is, the goal though, regardless the methodology you choose to get there, and that's between you and God, the methodology is not as important, the goal is important, and the goal is to focus our attention on Jesus. So Lent begins, of course, with Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is a day of repentance. 
When we repent, we turn away from things that keep us from Jesus. And again, we do that so that we can focus our attention on Jesus. Ash Wednesday is also meant to remind us of our, of our mortality and the life that Jesus came to bring. I like something that the pastor and author Kevin Makins wrote. He wrote, Ash Wednesday is a serious contender for the weirdest thing churches do. Seven weeks before Easter, Christians gather to have ashes placed on their foreheads in the sign of the cross and to hear someone say over them, remember you are dust and to dust you will return, which is not what we'll say. We always say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which I'll mention why in a moment. Then what happens, you wonder, and the answer is nothing. That's the end of the service. You don't even wipe the ashes off your forehead. You just carry on with your day, buying avocados at the grocery store with a cross on your forehead like a 16th century monk. That's why we Ash Wednesday morning services are actually better. Uh, you carry it all day long. That's what makes Ash Wednesday the only religious holiday nor, no corporation wants. You can't sell remember you're going to die cards. The good news of Ash Wednesday comes after the bad news. It invites us to remember our frailty, count our days, and then put our trust in Jesus who has overcome death. Um, I like Macon's humor, but more importantly, I agree with him that the good news comes after the bad news, but in the spirit of the New Testament, I always like to start with the good news first. Instead of saying, as many churches are essentially saying on Ash Wednesday, you're going to die, I prefer to say the greater truth, the ultimate truth, which is that because of Jesus, because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what Jesus does, you are going to live. See, the good news is that the bad news is necessary only to get us to the good news. That's the truth about the bad news. The bad news is only necessary to get us to the good news. So, the bad news is that Jesus had to face death to defeat death. He had to die in order to be raised from the dead. The bad news is that he had to suffer through a few terrible hours of crucifixion. Terrible Hours. But the good news is that because he did that, he lives forevermore. The bad news is that someday we will die. The good news is that because of Jesus, those of us who believe in Jesus will be raised from the dead and live the life God dreamed for us in the very beginning and will live that life forevermore. More. The bad news is that in order to live the life God live, dreams for us now, we must die to the things that keep us from focusing on Jesus and the life he offers us now. But we're not supposed to focus on the bad news. We're supposed to focus on the good news. The good news is that if we die to the things that keep us from focusing on Jesus, we will receive the more and better life that Jesus has for us now. The only reason there's bad news is because the bad news leads us to good news because in the end, the good news is the point of the gospel. In fact, it's what the word gospel actually means. For a believer, the bad news is always a path to the good news, and death 
is always a pathway to life, whether that's the death of Jesus on the cross, whether that's the death that we all will experience in the body to have life forevermore, or whether that's the things that we sacrifice and die to during a season like this in order to focus our attention on Jesus who gives us life. I think what we should focus on is we should focus on life. I like how Dallas Willard in his classic, The Spirit of the Disciplines, said that the simple and wholly adequate word for salvation in the New Testament is life. The simple and wholly adequate word for salvation in the New Testament is life. So he says you can describe salvation simply by speaking in terms of life. A lot of people talk about what we've been saved from, but really the point is what we've been saved to. And we've been saved from death, and we've been saved to life. The Gospel of John really focuses on this. The Gospel of John really focuses on life from the very first few verses till the very last few verses. For instance, John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 says, In him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. In the middle of the Gospel of John, John 10.10, the passage that we refer to every Sunday, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. In the very last verse of the Gospel of John, John writes, these are written, everything I've written about, John says, I've written about that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I like to think about what life connotes in the New Testament. There actually are, are three Greek words that are translated by the word life in our English translations of Scripture. And one is the word bios. I mean, these are words that are actually familiar to English speakers. Bios is the root word for biology. It has to do with physical life. And the, another Greek word translated life in the New Testament is the word suke, which has to do with breath. But the life that that speaks of salvation, the life that we receive when we believe in Jesus, is the life that uh, it comes to us from the Greek as Zoe. Again, a name that, uh, a word that many of us are familiar with. Some people name their kids Zoe. And Zoe, I'm just going to read from a dictionary of biblical words because I think it's written so well here. Zoe, life, is used in the New Testament of life in the absolute sense. Life as God has it, that which the Father has in himself and which he gave to the incarnate Son to have in himself and which the Son manifested in the world. From this life, man has become alienated in consequence of the fall and of this life, men become partakers through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is therefore said to be the life of the believer. For the life that he gives, he maintains Eternal life is the present actual possession of the believer because of his relationship with Christ and that it will one day extend its domain to the sphere of the body is assured by the resurrection of Christ. So when we talk about through Jesus receiving life, we're talking about life as God has it in himself. 
We're talking about eternal life. Eternal life is not something we receive in the future. Eternal life is something that we receive the moment we believe, and it extends from now until forever. But if you've believed in Jesus, you have God's life, eternal life in you now. And so it seems to be a good thing to think about turning away from things that keep us from life to repent from things that bring us death, that are destructive, that bring us something less than, than more than, so that we can turn from those things and turn towards God who brings us his very life. So Jesus gave up his breath, suke is the Greek, so that we can receive his life, zoe. We receive life as God has it in himself. So, Ash Sunday is a day of repentance. I'm sorry, Ash Wednesday is a day of repentance. To repent, again, and I'm sure most of you know this, but I'll say it nonetheless, is to turn from something destructive and turn to someone life-giving. In fact, I like the phraseology Uh, from Hebrews, the sixth chapter, that talks about the the most basic foundational principles of Christianity. And the first two are repentance from acts that lead to death, and then it's faith toward God. When we repent, we repent of things that bring us death, that are destructive, that are something less than what's possible in our lives. That's what we repent from. We repent from acts that lead to death, and we turn to receive life. We turn and confess our faith in Jesus who brings us his life. So to repent is to turn from death to life, and part of repentance is confession. It's not all of repentance, but part of repentance is confession. In other words, to confess is to say, I, I know that I sinned. I did something I shouldn't have done, um, which is important and necessary, but it's not enough. We don't just confess. We turn. We change our minds. Uh, the, 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 the word that's used in the New Testament for repent was a term that was used in, in, as a military command that meant an about face. It meant you're facing one direction. You turn and you face the other direction. We turn from death to life. We confess our sins and turn from sin and turn to confess our faith in Jesus. And what's beautiful is that confession then brings forgiveness, and forgiveness opens new possibilities in our life. So I would encourage us on a day like today, on a night like tonight, to confess and to turn. I love the beautiful passage, and I'll finish or be very close to finishing with this, the beautiful passage from John's first letter to the church where he said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Let me just simply make this point. All of us have things we need to confess and turn from. All of us have things that we need to confess and turn from. John said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, which he's already told us is all of us, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So tonight we acknowledge that there are things in our lives that are destructive, and we turn, we confess, and we turn. And when we do, we receive his life. The imposition of the ashes, which is where, for those of you who desire us to, we'll put ashes on your head in the form of a cross, is as the tradition. The imposition of the ashes speak, first of all, of repentance. The ashes are a symbol of repentance and of dying to something. And we do it in the form of the cross because the cross is the answer to our sins. It's the cross that brings us forgiveness for sins and the possibility when we turn to actually be able to change. We apply the ashes here, our tradition now for a number of years is to, to apply the ashes saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And that came from a an early sermon that I did on Ash Wednesday where we began stressing this idea that we return so that from something so we can receive something or someone better. And John the Baptist, when he was describing that Jesus was in the crowd close by, called the crowd to repent because he said the kingdom of heaven is near, which he was saying Jesus is here. Jesus has brought the kingdom and all of its glory to this planet, and if you repent, you can give up something so you can have someone, and that someone is him and all the life he offers. So.